No Las Vegas for the Timberwolves, sadly, but they do beat Chet Holmgren and the Thunder to Jack Borman's delight. We'll talk about that on today's Minnesota Basketball Party. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Timberwolves talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Basketball Party on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Wolves Talk every Wednesday. It's the Minnesota Basketball Party on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Glad you joined us this afternoon. The Minnesota Timberwolves just keep on winning. They take down the number two team in the West last night in a 106-103 thriller. We'll, of course, be talking about that on today's show with our crew of Timberwolves experts who you'll meet in a moment. It's time for our opening tip. Jack Borman, tell us what's up. I'm uh, Jack Borman. I'm the editor-in-chief and lead writer at Canis Hoopus, and I'll talk to you guys a little bit about why I think the Wolves have some of those, you know, really important, rare, and tangible qualities of a team that that we see uh, make deep playoff runs into uh, into May and June. I'm Ron Johnson from uh, the Ron Johnson Show, former Gopher, and I'm going to talk to you guys about why the Timberwolves have to find a guy on the bench that can give them some added power, like the Warriors used to do. And I'm Reggie Wilson from CARE 11, and uh, much to Ron's previous point, I will <laughs> make a case that the Wolves have the best depth in the West. And how about the schedule gods smiling on the Timberwolves? They're not going to Vegas, but they get two very winnable games instead next week. That's all coming up on today's Minnesota Basketball Party, which you can find here on video on Locked On Sports Minnesota, the YouTube channel, or the 24-7 YouTube live stream. You can hear our audio on the Locked On Wolves audio feed wherever you get your podcast. So many ways to watch and listen. Amazon Fire, Roku, Sirius XM, those all work as well. Big story today, Timberwolves 106, Thunder 103. I wasn't holding out a lot of hope for the Timberwolves to, you know, fulfill the play-in uh, or the, the in-season tournament scenario. I think they needed to win by 21 or more to make that happen. And then the Warriors needed to win by between like 12 and 14, some absurd um, difference. But uh, it wouldn't have worked out anyway because the Warriors lost to the Kings. So the Wolves do not win the group, but they do, more importantly, I would say, Jack Borman, they win the game against a good team in the West, in a lot of people's opinion, maybe not your opinion, but um, the, the Thunder gave them a test last night, and the Wolves came back on them in the second half and got the job done. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a game where, where Chris Finch said pregame that, that you know he was kind of taking the in-season tournament off the table for the team and that he wasn't going to try to you know, have the team's mentality be, we need to win this game by 25. Cause I think when that happens, it becomes harder to win the actual game. Um, and so it was, it was it turned out to be a good thing for the Timberwolves. Um, and that I, you know, I think that this is a group that, um, you know, really just sticks together and believes that their brand basketball is going to win out in the end. And um, I think last night was a great example where, you know, they, they were down, I want to say they were down like 10 at halftime and then switched to a zone in the second half because, you know, they were they were unafraid to say, hey, our, our first game plan, our first, um, you know, defensive plan of attack wasn't working. Let's switch to a zone. Let's try to mitigate what the what the Thunder were doing um, to try to minimize uh, Rudy Gobert's impact. And that's exactly what the Timberwolves did. The zone caused, caused all sorts of problems, kept Gobert at the rim. Um, made life really difficult for Chad Holmgren and kind of was able to contain some of the penetration from 
Shea Gilgis Alexander, and then you know you get you get a couple of role guys and Nas Reed and and Troy Brown Jr., the man of the night, um, stepping up in a, in a major major way in that fourth quarter or two. I, I want to say gave them. 19 of the team's 30 points um, in the fourth quarter, which was um, which was pretty huge, especially on a night when um, when Anthony Edwards goes down with with a hip injury that that I don't think is too serious based on you know what he was doing and what he was saying in the locker room. But um, but yeah, like you said, all in all, a great win for the Timberwolves. Ron. Yeah, when you look at the first to look at the injury, uh, that's what I was worried about too, because I was like, is that an arm? Is that? But then you know the fact that it's a hip, it's going to be sore. It's like a hip pointer in football. Uh, you get hit there all the time. He's going to have to get it shot up a little bit. The big thing about basketball is uh, you don't have to take additional hits after that. You might get bumped. You might get here, but they can pad it up. Uh, he might have to control some of his ridiculous jumps. Uh, but that's the reason why that secondary charge guy, uh, so many people in the NBA hate that. The fact that guys are taking off and guys are running under them after they've already decided that they're going to go up. Um I'm not saying that rule needs to change, but it needs to be looked at at where the player can kind of stand, uh, what the rules are around that, because you're going to get somebody killed. Uh, these, a lot of these guys are jumping above the rim and you're going to get somebody killed. But furthermore, when you look at this team in that game, um, and, and the reason my point is, I just want to see, like when you think about Sean Livingston, when you think about Andre Iguodala, um, I, I want somebody off the bench to average 10 points for the season. They need another guy in double digits. And the only thing that, that made me think of that was Anthony Edwards. If he were to get hurt, maybe all is lost. Like, maybe we can't have shiny things in Minnesota. But I'm also like, if he has to be out for a little bit, who can come in and be now a guy that can give them 20? and Or, or two guys that can give them 10 and 10 uh, to kind of pick up where Anthony Edwards is out for maybe a game or two. Um, but this team, to me right now, like, they're hitting on all cylinders. They are the only team in this like group play that has a zero point differential everybody's either either plus or minus like how is that possible to be 438 and 438 on both ends that's extremely balanced uh that's not being petty as well like you said sam uh because i did see uh the celtics bulls and the coach had to go explain to the other coach while he was why he was fouling andre drummond and they were up by 32 like imagine going hack a shack and you're winning by 32 <laughs> just because you want to make sure they can't score anymore with seven minutes to go. Like with seven minutes ago, he was like, I'm just going to use everybody on this bench. Everybody just keep following him because he's not going to make free throws. One, and if I'm Andre Drummond, like I'm I'm like, sub me out, man. This is bull. I need to go practice because if I can't make free throws and they're willing to follow me to stay up by 30, uh, I, I, I got to get this fixed. And so I, I look at the Timberwolves one as a classy organization that didn't try to blow the doors off. Uh, we we know we talked about the Warriors needing how many points. I didn't see how they finished, but they were up uh, like 18 at half. Um, so at the end of the day, the Kings end up getting it. They don't make it to Vegas, but they were close. They almost won the mini Super Bowl of basketball. They almost did it. They were so close. And the fact that now this does give people added excitement around basketball. I'm not going to lie. At first, I was a little like, this is dumb. But now you do get because now the Lakers might go win this. And who cares about the rest of the season when you can say you're the in-season tournament champion. Uh, I think everybody else cares except for LeBron. He'll take this one. Uh, but that's where I think this Timberwolves team is. They need another guy just in case because because Anthony Edwards, uh, what, what are you going to do? Can you find an Andre Iguodala, a Sean Livingston, an absolute just come in, give me 10 points efficiently, get off the floor? Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to with this team. Well, Reggie, maybe that guy's Troy Brown. He, uh, he pops last night in the fourth quarter, big three. Big layup down the stretch. 
uh, missed a free throw at the end. We'll forgive him for that. But uh, that's that's <laughs> the scoring off the bench that I think I've been looking for. I know Nas gives you a dozen a night. I've been looking for one more guy to do something. Like Ron said, maybe it's Troy Brown. Yeah, and I think um, last night was what I needed to see to to make a statement like, hey, I think the the Wolves have like the best depth in the West. Just so when Ant goes down, you know, it was it was neck and neck at the time. They they're throwing haymakers at each other. SGA is on a heater, and you're like, oh man, here we go. How do they sustain? How do they somehow go out and win this? And I just think it was impressive. Like they didn't they didn't have a spectacular performance from Cat. You know, they had a solid performance from Rudy, but it was the bench. You know, guys like Nas Reed. Nas had uh, 15 points last night. And then Troy Brown Jr. Look, man, that 17 was impressive. You know, you look at you look at what he did last night and you just wonder if you could see it on a consistent basis. And I think to Ron's point, you know, if, if he can be a guy like a, a Livingston or or an Iggy, like that could that could really be something special for the Wolves. You know, you know, you're you're gonna put Nas in and Nas is gonna do what he does. And and he did that. You know, you may get 15, 20 from Nas off the bench on any given night. And so you saw the 15 last night from Nas and that was helpful. Um, but I think what was impressive to me was the fact that Ant went down when he did. That was a scary fall. And, you know, it was nice to see him back on the bench, you know, in the in the warm-up jacket and, and just, you know, being there for the team. But when he goes down like that, you want to know that they have enough to still be able to put good teams away if they have to. And that's what happened last night. And that just kind of encourages you. Um it, I, I just think it's weird, man. You got the top two teams in the West playing last night and the Wolves win. And because of these ridiculous rules in the in-season tournament, like they don't advance. I thought that was crazy. Ryan, you missed a you missed an incredible finish. Oh, that's I don't crazy. Know. I, I, just I didn't think, even realize the yeah, Warriors. I, I, I thought I thought the Kings just lost, but then they didn't lose by enough. Man, no, that's crazy. No, the Warriors <laughs> lost that one on the the you know last second. Malik Monk played hero in that one, so mm-hmm. it's it's just it's a weird deal, you know. But I, I guess the Wolves will take it. It would have been nice to see him in Vegas, but you know. and, yeah. And, and Reg, to your point too about the bench, just uh, I was looking at this quick while you were going. Starters were one of eight for eight points in the fourth quarter. The bench guys were seven of nine for twenty-two points. Pretty pretty huge to be able to have that in the fourth quarter. So. Let's talk tweaks to this in-season tournament because uh, now we're through the Wolves portion of it for the first time ever. They don't get to go to Vegas, so it's done for us. Um, I thought it was fun. I thought it added a lot of juice to those four games. I felt like the crowds were better. The atmosphere was better. Maybe it's the special courts. Maybe the crazy courts are what's getting everybody pumped up. But I, I actually found myself caring about the concept. Um, maybe it's because there's the allure of Vegas at the end of it all. I don't know. It just it all it was pretty cool for me, but I, I think that Reggie's complaints are valid. It's tough when you win three out of your four games and you beat the you know the best team, other best team in the West, and you're still not in. Um, and that comes down to the groups, right? Like there was one cakewalk group where the Lakers and Suns just stomped on the other three teams, and then mm-hmm. two pretty tough groups. Do you set it up sort of by conference where just four best records go or, or or would you tweak anything, Reggie, 
next year uh, for this tournament? I was listening to Inside uh, with Charles Barkley and guys last night, and Chuck kind of complained about the point differential. And I'm I'm with them on that. Like, this is not like college where, you know, style points matter and all that stuff. Like, either you win or you don't. I just – it's weird, man, because it's the NBA. Like, you know, I know we've seen some lopsided games in the past, but, like, I don't know. Like, I, I just think it's a cheap way of just trying to build excitement and, and entertainment in these games when the games themselves are already just super entertaining as it, as it you know, stands like – you got guys shooting three pointers from places that you know you historically just haven't seen um in the history of the league and and you know these players are jumping out of the gym and you know the game is exciting already and you add these different stipulations on how these teams have to win like winning should matter the fact that you won should matter and then now you have these teams like, you know, trying to chase points and all that. I just think it's not the the best idea for the game. Like I'm I'm cool with the tournament itself. I think it's exciting because the the basketball is more intense, but you know, you put all these different stipulations on things and I don't know. Like I said, it's the NBA like these guys collect paychecks just like the other team does. And so, you know, I I don't know. I don't know that that you want to set any type of weird precedence with teams just like chasing points like that. And like you said, three out of four games you win when you're the Wolves and you don't find yourself in contention to play in Vegas. That just doesn't seem right to me. Well, well, you know what will kill the concept is if a team actually needs the points in the fourth quarter, they play a star and the star gets hurt. Then the plug gets pulled right on the point differential thing. My my suggestion would be why stop at four? Why not do double round robin where you play each team twice make the tournament go a month longer mm. then i think you're going to have fewer tiebreakers if you're playing mm. eight games instead of four the tiebreaker is only going to come into play in rarer cases the tiebreaker is coming into play like every single group right um the way it is now so lengthen the tournament play eight games and then you won't have to worry as much about the tiebreaker because you'll have also more head-to-head data uh, Ron, any any complaints, any likes or dislikes about this tournament? Uh, the only thing I would say is I, I think they're on to some. I don't like the point differential either because, again, like I said, watching that Bull Celtics and they start following uh, Andre Jumman, I was like, that's that's petty. And then as a coach, I have to explain it to the other coach because he doesn't even realize because he's not paying attention to your point differential. He doesn't give a crap about you. And so you have uh, Missoula had to go over there and explain it like, hey, look, man, like I'm doing this because I got to win by, by 23. So I'm like, hey, look, I'm just, you know, and then like, what do you expect the coach to say? All right, screw it. Fine. We will stop scoring so that you can get in this thing because we, we haven't won a game yet anyway, because that's where the Celtics were at. Like they were going to tie the Orlando Magic three and one. The Bulls are oh, were 0 and three at the time. So the Bulls could have laid down, but then you don't want that. You don't want the other coach coming into the game telling the other coach like, look, you have no shot getting this. Let me take this, man. Like, let me get this. Because, like, that's not good either. I think that the way it should play out, I, like, I like your idea, Sam. Either one, you play this, or two, the two tiebreaker teams just have to play each other. There's a lot more ways to get around this other than trying to do flat-out points because I think it gets petty at that point. Yeah. Jack, final thoughts on this? Yeah, so they, they based this concept around the WNBA Commissioner's Cup, which has gone on now for, for a couple of seasons on, on, the, on the WNBA side. And... Um, the Commissioner's Cup this past year had 10 games, so a fourth of all regular season games. Um, and 
you know, I found it curious that the first tiebreaker there for, you know, the commissioner's cup was head to head like it is in uh, these pool play games. And the second tiebreaker was highest winning percentage in all regular season games, you know, up until the point of the next round. And I was also watching inside the NBA last night, Reg, and, and, and that was exactly what they brought up as, as the key suggestion. It was Candace Parker who brought it up because obviously, you know, Candace Parker plays in WNBA and, um, and was part of it. And, and I think that it makes a ton of sense, right? Like I think while, while I think it's cool that they wanted teams to care about those games a little bit more and try to, you know, get extra competitive and, and all that. And I think part of that was because they wanted to give a chance to these other teams that may not be as good in the overall season to kind of get hot on these tournament nights and be a fun story in the middle of the season. That's a little bit different from um, it's a little bit different from the rest of the, you know, from the rest of the league. But, but to be honest, like how many, I think you saw like three, three of the three or four of the teams that won their groups go four and oh. Um, so, you know, the, the point differential wouldn't have even mattered for those teams anyways. And then, you know, when you look at the West tiebreaker, it's a team like the Suns that's getting it. That's, that's, you know, going to be a great team. that's there in the end. So I think that's the most logical change to make. Chris Finch was campaigning last night that, um, that what they do is they turn, uh, instead of having the three, you know, random group divisions, um, for the W or excuse me, for the NBA to just have mm-hmm. the in-season tournament be contained to that, like actual divisions that are already set right now. So the Timberwolves would, would are in that Northwest division with Portland, Oklahoma city, um, Utah, and, um, God, and there's one. Denver. Like, De- thank you, Denver. Um, and so like, that would be a ton of fun because there's already kind of some built-in rivalries there, if you will. And then those, those in-season tournament games, take it up a notch. So I'd be a big fan of those two specific changes. Um, but, you know, I guess it's kind of hard to argue with with the results, I guess, so far, if, if the Wolves are going to pick up two extra games against the uh, against the uh, Memphis Grizzlies and the San Antonio Spurs, which should be fun. So, yeah, that, I was going to touch. So I was going to. Yeah. Yeah. Wemby. I was going to touch yeah, on that. Yeah. The, I don't know the scientific process behind assigning those games, but the Wolves. I can explain it if you want me to, but it's a little convoluted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, get, give me 30 seconds on it because the Wolves get San Antonio and Memphis as the replacement games. And those are what the bottom two teams in the West right now. So you could be looking at now another long winning streak, the way the schedule stacks up, you got Utah Hornets and then Spurs Grizzlies Pelicans. Like there's another five winnable games in a row coming up here now. Before Jack explains that though, my question, my other question is, do all these games in this, do they still count to their 82? Like, is this part of their 82? Yep. So all these games yeah. count towards the 82, these added games that we found out about late last night. And then the quarterfinals and the semifinals of the in-season tournament count towards um, season standings and statistics. And then the championship game of the in-season tournament is a game 83, so that does not count. Um, yeah, but, so but only the championship doesn't count. Correct. Yep. And yeah. so these added games, basically what it was, was uh, you were going to play a team that you only were scheduled to play three times and that is also in your conference. So there were six teams that fit that bill for the Timberwolves, Golden State Warriors, the Houston Rockets, Memphis Grizzlies, Phoenix Suns, Sacramento Kings, and San Antonio Spurs. So they, they undoubtedly got the best possible draw that they could have where the Spurs <laughs> are a little bit better than the Grizzlies and to get the Spurs at home and then go back on the road to Memphis where you just absolutely stomped them. Um, and John Moran's out at concerts. Uh, making gun uh, things during songs, so yeah, that's that's uh, that's a good that's a good look for him. 
Yeah. I saw online someone said he was like a GTA NPC, which I thought was <laughs> something else. But... <laughs> I, I, mean, I saw the video of the dude doing it. The dude looked fake because he, he has so much like fake hair painted on in his lineup. Uh, then he had all these little cuts in it. So I didn't know if that was Ja with a haircut. And then you look up and it's Ja like in a white shirt. And he does look like a, a he, I get what they're saying. It did look like one of those like fake video game people like the way he was because he was just standing there doing like the gun thing and but and i'm like dude you literally are kicked out the league for guns like if anything i'm at a concert i'm opening up a bible at a concert and then swaying with it like i'm not doing anything gun related <laughs> on like you're gonna be on camera you're john Morant, and you're standing up in a vip suite like come on he's not smart he's just not Josh Giddy learned that lesson too the cameras will get you um, oh and i heard Josh Giddy got booed every time he got the ball Wow. Yep. Very fans, loudly. The, the very, fans are locked loud. in on on uh, the internet. Wow. They know what's going on. Um, we're gonna <laughs> open the conversation up to Ant MVP possibilities and maybe a little Rudy Defensive Player of the Year talk after a word from eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. I'm looking at Al Horford. Only play uh, plays one more game this week, but with Kristaps Porzingis out, Horford is going to get a bump in production. If you don't want to go with Horford, let me toss in Sadiq Bay. Bay's elevated to the starting lineup with Jalen Johnson out. Should be able to be serviceable for your fantasy team. Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your car needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. And at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So first, let me say on the ant injury, this is what haunts me. When my mind races at night, I just picture Timberwolves flying through the air and falling hard like ant did last night because it's always a fall. Like cat fell a couple of years ago out for months. Nas Reed fell last year out for months. Like bad things happen when you fly through the air. And ant had, like I think yesterday I went to check on my kids in their in their bedroom i come back out and i see a slow-mo replay of aunt edwards falling in slow motion and i don't know what's going to happen i i i was terrified so <laughs> i'm worried about ant um that being said let's assume he's okay is there an ant mvp case to be made if the wolves stay where they are in the west at that altitude where they obviously are getting more attention more people are going to be looking at okay who's the best player on the best team it's Ann Edwards. He was getting the MVP chance last night at the free throw line. So, Ron, is Ant a viable MVP possibility for this team? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, the thing about MVP, and this is what happens, is when people win. So, 
like John Morant, some of these other names, these guys came out of nowhere um, and all of a sudden started getting like national news. Why? Because their team started winning. They started having an identity. I mean, Rudy Gobert is getting choked out. So that's almost like the Dylan Brooks of the uh, of the Grizzlies. Like you just become a bully. Um, <laughs> and so when, when you create like an identity of a team and now it's resting around one being number one, uh, I mean, look at the Nuggets. The Nuggets became a number one team and all of a sudden like, Yep, here's MVP candidates there. It's all about who wins. I hate to say it. Like, they're never going to give the eighth place team anybody on that team. That guy might score 50. They're not going to give him the MVP because they're going to say, how are you impacting your team to win? And is impacting the team with wins as well uh, with a combo of Cat, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, Nas Reed, Jaden McDaniels. Like, that six is a big-time six. But Ann Edwards, for sure, like, you can just feel it. When he gets the ball in his hands – um it, it just kind of feels automatic like any mid-range jumper it feels automatic when he when he when he rocks that crossover you know a step back is coming or a drive by like he's he's kind of consistent with that move and so and you don't know you can't guess right and it's faster than James Harden like James Harden has that same feeling he gets the ball he rocks you and you know he's going to do one of the two things Ant does it quicker he does it stronger he's jumping higher like he is a guy that as long as he stays in shape and doesn't end up like and, and we know James Harden gained weight in certain points of his career. Um, he's pretty much unstoppable. So, yes, I'd say he's an MVP candidate. Reg, your thoughts? So I want to say yes, but I do think that um, the Ant needs to be a little bit more efficient from the floor. Right now he's shooting 46.5% um, from the floor, which is 71st in the league right now averaging 26 points a game which is you know it's solid but you you kind of look at some of the guys like who are kind of the perennial favorites so right now uh Jokic 28 and 8 points a game right now MB 32 the reigning MVP 32 points a game Luka is 31 Shea is 30 and a half and, and Giannis is at 30 and so I feel like those are some of the guys who are probably leading the pack as far as the MVP conversation goes. And so I think he needs to be a little bit more efficient from the floor. And also, I, I think he, he probably needs to be scoring close to 30 a game. He can't have those nights where, you know, we only see him have 13 or, you know, 12 points, you know, in a game. And he's not necessarily affecting the, the outcome of the game too much because I feel like the MVP award – kind of like how it is in the NFL. It's about like, you know, the flash and the numbers and all that stuff and, and affects the game in more ways than just scoring. But I think that, you know, that's not the, that's not really what matters in some of the, the voting and, and so like they have to pass like the eye test and they have to pass like, you know, in a, in a league with all these prolific scores, like he has to kind of, you know, establish himself as as kind of one of those guys that that can just kind of take over a game and and dominate in any given game. And so I think he's like kind of there. He's pretty much there. But I think from a consistent standpoint and just from an efficient standpoint, I think he needs a little bit more to be truly in that conversation. And it's hard when Jokic puts up a triple double every night. Mm -hmm. to, to not give it to him. So I'm, I'm looking at the FanDuel MVP odds right now. Here are the guys in front of Edwards. Jokic, favorite. Doncic, Embiid, Tatum, Giannis, SGA, Kevin Durant. 
So you got you got some pretty heavy hitters there that are just machines in productivity, Jack. So while Ant, I think he brings you so much and he's so valuable to this team and he has spurts like every night that help you win games. But I think Reggie, Reggie's onto something. We might need to see a little more statistically from him. Yeah, for me, it's not even really stati- like I, I completely agree with everything Reggie said. But like my my main thing is it's not really even statistical. Like you had Anthony Edwards win Western Conference Player of the Week, played awesome, right? And MVP guys play at that level every single week. It is not just a one week thing, and then they fade into the background for three games, like Anthony Edwards did. And look, like he he obviously is carrying a, a really heavy load for this team. Um. They rely upon him a lot on both ends of the floor. And so I understand that like, you're not going to put up, you know, 34, six and four every single night. But I mean, you, I mean, if you just want to look at it, like you look at what Shea Gilgis Alexander is doing for this Thunder team. That's now what a game and a half or two games back of the Wolves. If, if it, if they kind of maintain that pace for the rest of the season, like it'd be really hard not to say that the Shea is a lot more valuable to the Thunder than, than Ant is to the Wolves. Right. And I think it's great that like, everybody loves ant like his popularity around the league is like uber high which is something that you certainly need um in order to win the award it's you know especially if you don't have the best statistics um you know and i think we're with Jokic, it was the best team and he was undeniably the most dominant and best player the whole entire season plus he had all the best stats all the rest of it but um yeah, I just think Ant needs to be an, an every night player. I, I completely admire that he wants to play every single night and be there for his teammates. But it's very clear that on some of these nights that he is playing, he's only giving like 60 or 70 percent. Maybe that's, you know, giving his 100 percent for that night. Like that's all he has to give. Um, but, you know, I think he's got to be willing to to, you know, sit down and, and listen to the training staff and take a rest day here and there so he can maintain that that MVP level, because I guarantee you, like if his stats were 10% better or 15% better and he played five less games, you know, over the course of the whole entire season, I, I certainly think that that would help him in that case. And I also think it would probably help the Timberwolves on the, on the, you know, standings too. Yeah. We'll see if he gets a couple of maintenance days here with the hip. Next game is tomorrow against Utah. Speaking of Utah, former jazz, Rudy Gobert, uh, he's the favorite right now to be defensive player of the year over Anthony Davis, Evan Mobley, Bam Adebayo. And I thought he showed it last night. I mean, he was flexing on Chet Holmgren, literally his closeouts, the way he's impacting around the rim. Uh, Rudy Gobert is having a vintage defensive season. Uh, when I go to Iowa next time or Michigan or someplace, you know, like Ron does i'm gonna fire up the fan duel app i might put one down on uh rudy gobert dpoy what do you think reg man i love everything about what rudy's doing right now you know you, you look at kind of like the stat sheet and maybe that's not like the most eye-popping thing but you know last night man six of ten from the floor He's in five of his six free throws, 16 boards. He's even – he's got four blocks. He's even got a steal in there, 17 points. Like, man, like, I, I'm just loving what Rudy is doing. I, I'm – you know, I'm kind of reading some of the tea leaves and and also, you know, reading about some of the things that, that Rudy feels like is different from last year. And, you know, last year just wasn't wasn't his best year at all. And, you know, there are a lot of factors that went into that. This year, he just looks focused. 
he's going out there, like you said, like flexing on Chase, like, you know, little dude, like this is this is my area. So <laughs> I, I'm just loving the the fire, the intensity from him, how he's playing on both ends of the floor really aggressive on the defensive end and and really just making things difficult and i just keep saying it but like he he's proven tim Con like tim connelly's up there in his suite he's like <laughs> he's so happy he yeah. no one is happier than tim connelly yeah like i i love that for him and and i just i, I love it for the wolves because like this was not an easy thing to do you know with the whole twin towers experiment you know how how is it going to fare with him and Cat being down low together? And, you know, it's it's working. And and Rudy is one of the bigger uh, benefactors of, of this second year in this system. Ron, uh, we've been pretty critical of Rudy on your show. Yep. You changing your tune on Rudy at all? Oh, yeah, I am. I am. And the thing, I'm always, you know me, like I'm always willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. I just thought last year, and I think everybody thought this, Rudy Gobert was not what they thought he was going to be. Um, he came in and was supposed to be what he is now. And the fact that you see the Utah Jazz getting so much out of their guy in uh, Walker Kessler, everybody's like, man, we should just kept Walker Kessler. But see, now Rudy Gobert is starting to set himself apart. He's starting to really show, okay, I can be. I mean, you look at the rebounds. He's almost at 12 rebounds a game. I think that's what we weren't seeing where it was like, I mean, he had like a what? Didn't he have like a 20 rebound night or something like that or some ridiculous 18? Like that's the things that Rudy Gobert has to continue to do is like do what you're good at, dominate. Also, I do understand guys learning each other and guys getting more acclimated to each other. Um, but Rudy Gobert being a true defender, a true rebounder, uh, basically only giving teams one shot. If they miss, don't give them the additional shot. That's why the Warriors, if you watch the Warriors play, that's why they play so well and they won games is because of that second shot. Steph Curry might miss, but they always were prepared to rebound. Uh, and, and that's why Jordan Poole, and we'll talk about that later, is an idiot because he feels like he should be the Steph Curry. Everybody should be worried about his shot and then rebounded to get it back to him. And that's what the Warriors do. They would rebound, get it back to Steph, that additional shot. Steph probably doesn't miss twice on the same shot. Rudy Gobert now has eliminated that for a lot of teams. He's eliminating that second shot, and that's why I am on board. Like, I don't care about when you have Cat uh, slow-mo. You got, I mean, Jane McDaniels, Nas Reed. You got Mike Conley, Anthony Edwards. You got enough scores. Rudy Gobert, give me 20 and 10. Give me 20 rebounds. Give me 10 blocks. Like, go out there <laughs> and just, like, be ridiculous. Like, just be, be a guy that everybody's like, whoa. We can't even go inside because if they funnel the defense to him, he's going to block it. So that's what we've been wanting to see. So, yes, I am changing my tune a little bit. I'm, I'm, I like the connection in the group. Uh, also, though, honestly, Rudy Gobert's success is because Cat is figuring out how to play with a big. Like Cat last year yep. felt like he was forcing a lot of crap. He was driving way too much, you know, flopping, throwing the ball up. He's kind of figured out he's not the guy that needs to do that. It needs to be Ant. He can be the pick and pop guy. He can be the pick and drive guy. And now he's start, and then he can be the pick and pass guy. And now he's starting to he's starting to play within the system as well. Jack, you uh, you laying down a hundred on plus four hundred on Rudy to win the DPOI? I mean, yeah, I would. I got it for higher than that earlier. So wow, um, good for you. So I I, I can't say that um, I can't say that I I mean I would definitely double down at this point. Um, but um, yeah, I mean my biggest thing with. Um, with Gobert is, is something that Chris Finch mentioned last night, which was that Rudy Gobert has been much more vocal at, at the back of the Tim rules defense this year than he has been there than he was last year. And I think he's, 
Finch said he's much more familiar with, uh, you know, all the concepts and all the terminology that they're using. Um, and now that he's played with all these guys, he feels like he has total command of, of that defense and is quarterbacking it a lot more than he was a season ago, which is very evident. Um, and I think that you've seen him operate now in, in four really different defensive concepts, which are, or schemes, which are, you know, he's played up at the level of the screen. He's played in drop coverage. He's switched out into the perimeter and, and done a phenomenal job of forcing really tough shots uh, for, for guards and wings. Um, and then you saw what we saw last night in the second half, which was, you know, anchoring that that rim protector spot at the bottom of the two, three zone. And, um, you know, it made Chet Holmgren's life a living hell last night uh, in, the, in the in the second half, especially. Um, I think Chet Holmgren had five assists in the in the first half. He only had one in the second half. So even though Chet wasn't really scoring in the first half, he was still impacting the game in other ways. I uh, was not doing that in the second half at all. You could you could tell that Chet Holmgren wanted no part of trying to drive at Rudy Gobert want to know part of, um, you know, you know, I'm trying to do anything other than shoot over him and it did not work out well. Um, and it's just those games where he can really set the tone for a team and, and totally wreck a game. And he was undeniably the Timberwolves best player last night. Um, and, and I think it just speaks to, to this team's identity that, that they're doing it on the defensive end and that Rudy Gobert is the most important part of that identity. And that, you know, they've had plenty of nights this year, right. Where they, they don't shoot it. Well, I think they were six of 24, um, or, or something like that in the first quarter. Um, we're down 10, uh, really just, you know, couldn't buy a bucket, but they just stayed in the game and they kept grinding down the other team because they just trusted that their defense and their, um, and their identity, if, if you will, would win out. And, you know, those are the types of types of things that you see from these really mature teams that go, go deep in the playoffs. And then you, you combine that with, with someone like Troy Brown Jr., who just, steps up when his, his number's called and doesn't care what the what his role is. He's just going to show up every night, you know, in the same same way and, and play his role. So, I mean, to have a guy like Rudy Gobert set the tone and then someone like Troy Brown to come in and step up was, was pretty huge. Coming up, controversial audio from Pat Bev, KG, and Greg Popovich in our Sound Off segment after a word from FanDuel. I've been giving you all the lines for all the awards at FanDuel. I've got another one for you. To win the NBA championship right now, limited time only, you can get the Timberwolves at plus 3,000. That's higher than the, the Cavaliers. That's higher than the Clippers. That's higher than the Warriors. Wolves at plus 3,000. Market hasn't adjusted yet. You can put $150 of bonus bets on that line right there. All you have to do to get that 150 is to win a $5 money line bet. That's the deal right now at FanDuel. The weather gets colder, the deals get hotter. Bet five, get 150 for all new customers. If you've wanted to join, now is a great time. If you put 150 on a plus 3,000 Wolves line to win the NBA championship, quick math, I think that's like $4,500. Uh, you can also bet on uh, the spreads, the player props, the DPOY odds. Plenty of ways to wager at FanDuel, not just NBA, but NFL, college football, college basketball as well. FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. FanDuel.com slash locked on or download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Bet the NFL, bet the NBA. FanDuel, they're an official partner of the NFL. In closing, gentlemen, it's our sound off segment. Some of the most controversial quotes from around the NBA in the past week or two. This is a little bit of an older one, but we never talked about it on this show, I don't think. Pat Beverly, 
goes on a podcast and calls Cat, his former teammate, bogus. And he said a bunch of other stuff, too, that I probably can't quote. But he calls Cat bogus for not getting into it more with Draymond Green, not pulling Draymond off of Rudy during their fight. What do you make of Pat Bev calling out Cat, Jack Borman? Yeah, I mean, I understand Pat Bev and, like, it's very on brand for Pat Bev, but but to be, I also think that Pat Bev knows Carl enough where it was a lose lose situation for Carl, right? I mean, Carl at thirty three and eleven was awesome in the fourth quarter. If he fights, if he fights him, he's a fake tough guy, and if he doesn't fight him, he's a bad teammate, right? Um, I, I think it's just a shining example of why I think the Timberwolves are. While we're all, I think, grateful for the Pat Bev era and we'll remember it fondly, I think we're all probably grateful that that the Timberwolves have replaced Pat Bev with guys like Mike Conley and, and Kyle Anderson. Ron. Yeah, same thing. I agree. I think like you can't win with that. Like, I don't I don't know. I know Pat Bev thought he was the enforcer and he wanted to do this stuff and he was a little bit of a gnat. Um, but yeah, like you can say whatever you want. Carl Anthony Towns, if he yanks Draymond, it gets even worse. Like you're just gonna make a bad problem worse by getting involved in that. Draymond is an absolute like disaster waiting to happen half the time. So, yeah, he was better off just staying out of it. Reg, yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about Pat Bev, man. It, he's coming out with something new every week. It seems like I just saw yesterday. He's upset now. He's beefing with Austin Reeves because he did the the too small, you know, on him in the game and it's just like dude he's done as big of a pest as he is you're gonna get mad at austin reeves for doing that on you like come on get out of here like he's not a he's not a person that i go to that i'm like oh yeah i i think his i think his takes or I, i think his judgment is sound in these things i don't think he was looking at it from a clear point of view cat had no reason to get any more involved in that than he did and you know (laughs) all the people on social were very quick to point out you know how many times cat has been on the 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 odd end of some of these kerfuffles the proliferation of current and former nba players doing podcasts has led to some absurd audio including the uh the kg audio where he's talking with paul pierce on his show again a very unquotable rant for a family show but the crux of it is kg <laughs> calls out jordan pool says he doesn't belong in the league because of the way he's acting in washington ron what do you make of kg's latest he's at the effing league um he also <laughs> said some other expletives about uh jordan pool that he would have did xyz to him that he's a f you know a, a, you know he just said a whole bunch of stuff so he's really upset with Jordan Poole. This is what the problem is. If you watch a lot of the Jordan Poole video, and Jordan Poole is a human being, he has social media, so I know he's seeing this stuff. His body language is absolutely horrible. His verbiage to his teammates, like, you are the number one guy. You are getting paid a ton. There's there's a way to Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan this thing, and then there's what he's doing. It's totally different. Kobe challenged guys in practice. Jordan pushed guys and practice he didn't talk bad to them during the games and say stuff during the games where he get caught on camera we're only getting jordan and kobe stuff now is because they want to release it for their 30 for 30s it was in private it was teammate talk jordan Poole telling guys like look man get me the ball hey look if you want me to pass it to you or if you want the ball get it off the glass when i miss like come on man you are not him like he thinks he's him and that's the problem he, he thinks he's kobe or jordan or steph curry because he's got his own team now 
No, you're a clown. Like that's that's the pro- part of the problem. And like, I'm not I'm not condoning Draymond sucker punching him, but I get it now because if he's doing this now on camera, imagine what he did in practice when he was trying to get his money and when he finally got his money. Like I couldn't imagine the stuff he probably was saying to the Warriors guys and the Draymond and those like. I think he just probably pushed all of them over the edge, and the Warriors don't, uh, the Wizards don't have anybody that's willing to punch him, and I think that's the issue. Reg, I think what Jordan Poole lacks right now is just the structure of a place like Golden State. Like he and and Kyle Kuzma together, like they are in the head of Olympics. Like it's it's like not it's it's goofy basketball, man. And to Ron's point, like. Yeah, Poole won a ring, but like you won with the one of the greatest shooting teams of all time. And so like don't get over to Washington and think that you're just this dude that, you know, everybody's supposed to follow. Like you got to lead by example. You got to be the first one in, last guy out. You got to be the most attentive guy in the huddles, not looking at what baddies are in the crowd or, or whatever the case may be. Like I'm just not – I'm not a fan of of how he's doing things. It just screams immaturity to me. And from a, a, a basketball standpoint, you know, they were talking about how the the Wizards are like they don't consider him a cornerstone piece. That's, that's sad. That's sad because they don't have very many pieces that would be on the corner of anything. And so I think I think he's the guy that is probably going to end up being a, a dude that's going to be coming off the bench, you know, glorified Jordan Clarkson, if you will, in maybe like a year or two. Jack? I don't know if you saw the recent video before Jack goes, though. There's a recent video of the, the uh, Pistons game with Jordan Poole. He makes uh, Kay uh, Cunningham fall. And instead of just shooting a 10-foot jumper – he then tries to do like another Euro type step just to try to throw like a, a Steph Curry floater and Azure throws it into the crowd. It's like, just shoot the jumper. Like nobody's by you. You want to keep going and do extra stuff and, and jelly roll it. Like, come on. It's an man. entertainment like, product, Ron. Like he's a clown. Like just shoot the jumper. Like, why are you trying to be extra? But go ahead, Jack, man. I'm, I'm kind of sick of him. All I was going to say is that Steph Curry doesn't get enough credit, man, for for carrying all these bums. You think about <laughs> Jordan Poole. You think about Draymond. You think about Andrew Wiggins. He made all these dudes, you know, probably a combined $400, $500 million. Um, he, he is the most valuable superstar in the sport. Um, and the fact that he, he got Jordan Poole this money, Jordan Poole now goes to Washington and just is blatantly not paying attention in huddles, resulting in drawn up plays breaking down because he's locked, not locked in and has no idea what the play even is. Um, I think Reg said it perfectly with the structure of, of Golden State and, and really just the structure of Steph Curry. Um, he's the best leader in, in, in basketball. And um, it's, a, it's a shame that Jordan Poole isn't, isn't there to receive that guidance anymore. 39%. 39% from the field. Wizards are robust, 3-14. and 14. Uh, 30 seconds each. Greg Popovich hops on the public address mic. I've never seen this happen. And asks the Spurs crowd to stop booing Kawhi Leonard. Reggie, what's going on there? Okay, so when I first saw it, I was like, good for Pop, man. Good for him. You know, he's like the dude there. You know, whatever he says goes. But then I started seeing a little bit of the discourse. And I was just like, yeah, he kind of has a point you know 
these fans paid to to come and see a product, they can kind of do what they want when they get there. So you getting on the mic and telling them to shut up, I don't know if that is the the best thing to do, but like I kind of see both sides of this one. Ron. Uh don't do it. The fans can do whatever they want. They can like don't do it. Just just stop being higher than higher than you know, trying to be a high mighty guy. Like let them boo it. Like this is what f- sports are about. Like you can boo, you can cheer, you can do whatever you want. I paid my money, you can't tell me what to do. Like stop it. Yeah, speaking of robust records, the Spurs are 3 and 14 also. That's uh at the luster is wearing off that the excitement on the Spurs. Jack, your thoughts on this? Get the hell out of here. That's my message to, to Greg Popovich. Um, Kawhi requested a trade. He demanded a trade to leave because of some really weird medical reasons that everyone thought were kind of BS. Um, these fans are paying their money um, to come see a product that Popovich is purposefully uh, making worse by playing Jeremy Sohan at point guard. We have a pretty sizable sample now of knowing that that does not work at all while Trey Jones and Wembenyana lineups are incredible. I'm going to have been the whole entire season. He refuses to put Trey Jones in the starting lineup to try to win games. If I was a fan, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I mean, I'd, I'd boo the hell out of Kawhi if I were a Spurs fan. I'd boo Pop even louder um, for, for doing that. Um, don't don't tell me what to do after I spend my money and and, and come to come to watch the Spurs. Tough year for like epic coaches, Belichick and Popovich. They're they're maybe wearing out the welcome a little bit. Um, that's our show for today. Thanks so much for watching on Lockdown Sports Minnesota and listening on the Lockdown Wolves audio feed. Jack Borman, Candace Hoopis, Reggie Wilson, Carol Levin, Ron Johnson of the Ron Johnson Show. We appreciate you all. I'm Sam Ekstrom saying so long until next Wednesday on the Minnesota Basketball Party.